till we couldn't shake no more. We got down on our knees when cancer knocked at our door. We got kicked in the ass. We gave lots of sass. Oh, when it rains, it falls into this half full glass. Oh, thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Victories in the dark. Hi, I'm Mimi Hall. And I'm Leanna House. And you're listening to Thanks Cancer. We are two cancer friends. And we're not doctors. We're not nurses. We're not shrinks. We're not psychics. We're not shamans. No, and cancer's pretty hard, too. I mean, cancer's a little hard. You might hear some swearing words in the episode. Ben, we hope you'll enjoy it. This is the podcast we wish that we had when we were going through our treatment. So, Mimi, we're having winter episode, which means that we do this by phone because Boston is cold and I don't want to go outside. And I've got a cold too so that's not good. I want to expose this because we're going to PodCon at the end of the week. I am you have to be better for PodCon. Yeah you know I feel like Cinderella who's gotten a cold and (laughs) not that excited. This this isn't my cold. No. This, this is a completely different cold. I don't buy cold. any. I don't assign blame to cold. I don't assign blame for my cancer. It's all a mystery. But I did get a cold for a while. I was just like, oh, no, I'm just sneezing a lot. It's a weird sneezy cold. Anyway, but yeah, we learn about stuff in sickness about ourselves. We remember that we like to breathe through our nose when we sleep. Oh, my God. And after a cold, it's amazing how you can breathe. Oh, it's just like you really make sure you appreciate health. But that's kind of so one of the things we're talking about today is like things we learned about ourselves during our cancer treatment. Right. That's going to be our little little impromptu phone episode. impromptu mini phone episode oh, yeah <laughs> Pub- published late <laughs> exactly but um but hopefully we'll bring back some good stuff from podcon it will all be worth it so um, it will be and i think that we should record an episode on the plane oh, that's so crazy i think that makes me feel so great and like i love that we do it in coach and jet blue it's awesome <laughs> Yes, we're going to annoy our seatmate. We're going to have an unwilling guest oh, on God. our podcast. Well, you know, everyone knows someone who has cancer or has had cancer themselves, so they definitely will have something to say for the podcast. So I'm really excited yes. about that interview. Yeah. Okay, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> can't Surprise wait. podcast sure interview. Can't wait either, even though they don't know us yet. So, um, their so experience just got improved. So. So what did you learn about yourself during cancer? Well, the first thing, I think the first thing that I learned that was really zingy was that, um, and I learned this because the the medication they had me on um, in the beginning, the immunotherapy, can um, can, uh, affect your heart. It can have a negative effect on your heart. So you have to get echocardiograms. And I'd never had an echocardiogram before. And I just assumed that my heart was normal. I, I have, I'm, you know, I've always been pretty athletic. My heartbeat is between like 15, resting heartbeat is between 50 and 55. And it doesn't go really high very often. I mean, I have to really work at getting it high. And I just assumed that everything was working fine, huge lung capacity, whatever. And I got this echocardiogram and the, the woman doing it just stopped and she froze. And you know, I was just in the beginning of my cancer journey. And I thought, oh, great. I have cancer of the heart. Um, newsflash, you can't I get cancer. I don't think that's a thing. Well, yeah, that's like. Thing. One of the few body parts that doesn't get cancer. Exactly, that is not a thing. But I didn't know anything at that point. I knew I knew enough right. to know when something was really wrong. And she yeah. neglected. She said, "I said, what's going on?" And she said, "You know what? Your doctor's going to talk to you about this." And I was like, "Okay." 
sure. And, you know, I think I'd just gone through a breakup. Wow. And I came out to my mom and I was like, I think she diagnosed me with a broken heart. It was so melodramatic. Anyway, so it was awful. So my you mom, melodramatic? Right? I cannot imagine. Oh, duh. Not hyperbolic at all. So anyway, but no, it turns out I have dextrocardia. So my heart is backwards and it's like, so it's facing the back and it's on the right side versus the left side. So all of those Pledge of Allegiances have not been as earnest as I thought they were because my hand needs to slide over slightly to the right. But so what do I, what can I like infer about your personality since your heart is backwards? Are you like a serial killer? Or no, are you like psychologically damaged? You know, there's probably a correlation with something and I did just do my 23andMe test and we'll find out if there is anything with that. Mm. But there's not enough of us to know. It's one in 12,000 wow. people who know it. And a lot of people go through life just like me, not knowing it. And I also learned that I have a PFO. So I have a hole in the middle of my heart. So my blood kind of blends there, the oxygenated and non-oxygenated blood. So I, my career as a professional diver is over. I mean, I was never a professional diver, but I did do a lot of diving. I used to do a lot of deep diving. I've gone down a lot, very deep. And I used to feel really funky and I would almost start to black out down there. You now know I should not have been diving at all. Wow. No. So, you know, I'm kind of glad I didn't know. So I did kind of super adventurous things at high, high, high and low, low, low altitudes. But I shouldn't have been doing that. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm glad I'm, I did, but I'm not going to do that I'm, anymore. I'm glad that you did, too. I'm just going to snorkel. It's fun and it's easy. So anyway, that's one of the things that I learned that was kind of like, it was kind of fun. It made me feel sort of special. <laughs> I mean, you, you I are special. Feel, but the time that I felt like special in a bad way, it made me feel special in a more unicorn way. Like maybe I'm a Neanderthal kind of way. So That that was a cancer unicorn moment. Right. It was a cancer, the cancer unicorn kind of came in and then came out. Right. So anyway, what was, some of the, what was one of the things that you learned about yourself when you were going through I mean, not about myself exactly, but about my family. Mm because I'm the youngest of six kids and the way I grew up was very I don't want to say ignored because that's not exactly the right word but when your family has six kids like you're not you're not really paid attention to in the same way yeah. as if you're an only child and I never really had to ask for things right. before mm -hmm. like I didn't need help because one of the things growing up was like if you can't do it yourself you can't do it like that was always like getting up on the rope swing. If you can't do it yourself, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. And so I was pleasantly surprised at how how much my family did for me. Well, sometimes and you probably couldn't do it yourself. Well, like I live all the way across yeah. the country, so I yeah. like made it as difficult as possible. So people had to take time off of work. People had to fly across the country. People had to, I mean, my family went above and beyond in terms of organizing my care and making sure that someone was with me and really for chemo and for my mastectomy and all of my surgeries, like they did more than I would have ever thought that they would do. Yeah, mine did too. And I think it's amazing how much love you can feel from your family and your friends during this time even acquaintances you know well because you don't you don't know how caring people are until you give them a chance to care for you yeah that's right if you never need to help then you never know how compassionate people are really yeah. I mean, and you can witness it but you know it's a different thing to experience it so immediately i think 
And it was also really nice because a lot of times I don't get one-on-one time with my family mm. because there's so many of them. And when we all get together, it's like a huge, crazy disaster, <laughs> beautiful disaster. But... It's a lot of people. It's just a lot of bodies. Oh, my God. So having some one-on-one time with, like, my sister Gab, who's super fun and will have a dance party. Or my brother Alec, who I can, like mess with and he put on my wig so he looked exactly like me it was amazing (laughs) so so that was that that was that was one of my things I wish I had something more moving to give you as my next one. God. No, you 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 should give me whatever you have. Okay, well, so I was someone who always had eaten three meals a day, pretty much. Like, sometimes I'd skip breakfast, but I was always like a three meal a day eater. And I always thought of the, I mean, I would, right before I got diagnosed, I would do sometimes like a day of almost fasting. You know what I mean? I was starting to play with that a little bit, but... You know, one of the things I I found um, going through my cancer treatment was intermittent fasting. And as we've talked about in other episodes, it really helped me get through treatment. And something I've continued too. And it's just been a really nice side benefit for me to realize like how much less food I need in general. You know what I mean? And like just how much able, better able I'm able to function with maybe smaller windows of eating. You know what I mean? Nothing irrational, but pretty much just skipping breakfast. Well, we, I mean, the American diet (gasps) is eating so much more than you need. Oh my God, I went away for the weekend. And when you go away for the weekend, you eat out, like, whatever, breakfast, lunch, you just eat out everything. And, you know, luckily my boyfriend and I are in sync where we tend to eat, like, two meals a day. You know, whether it's just, like, breakfast and dinner or lunch and dinner, but that's usually what it tends to be. And um, usually it's something at the end of the night, which is a soup or something. But um, we went out, and I was leaving, like more than half my plates and I just and I need that whole like apology thing and I don't want the extra food I know well, and sometimes sometimes people like and I'm guilty of this because when my dad and my stepmom share meals I'm like what are you doing but I love sharing meals because I don't want leftovers and I can't eat the full meal <laughs> I like so, family style. So, That's more sensible to me, you know. Like, so we of- should we should make it more acceptable to like share meals and not have leftovers and not buy into the crazy portions that restaurants think that we need. Or sell us half portions at a markup. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't mind yeah. if it's not cut in half for the half portion. But I guess this leads me. This is a related thought too. I I feel like I need a lot less after going through cancer treatment in general of everything like I need like I, I just feel like I don't feel the need to have as much you know but my consumer habits just, just completely like changed and I just feel like well, a lot less is more right now and maybe the wants and needs have been clarified in ways mm-hmm. that they weren't before yeah I think that's true I think that's true so there's mine yeah that was that was a big that was a good takeaway from the whole experience that I still enjoy and still resonate yeah well, for me, I learned how amazing the body is mm-hmm. because when, like, I had never had something remotely like cancer before, both the debilitating and the healing. Like, I remember watching my mastectomy scar, like, watching it go from a slit and like an open wound to closing over mm-hmm. to like the skin and the veins growing back together, and how 
amazing that was and the joy that I took in physical activity after Mm. having restricted physical activity after surgery. Like I went kayaking with my sister like every week and we took amazing pictures and we had a great time kayaking along the Charles River and I discovered Bikram and all of the crazy contortions that I can get my body into and how even though you've been through something super terrible traumatic like the body is so amazing and if you give it if if you take care of it and you know make make an effort like you can do pretty amazing things and yeah. I'm glad that I still have all of that to look forward to yeah I think that's right I couldn't believe how well my body saw me through all of this like how even the count stayed in my blood and my heart rate you know just blood pressure everything that you just did and I think it's really the reason that like we all need to be exercising as if we're going to get cancer someday I'm a big believer in that or something dreadful fill in the blank with your choice of genetic inheritance as far as illness but you know yeah (laughs) Well, and making it a part of your life, because I don't go out of my way to exercise. I shouldn't say that. I do go out of my way to exercise. But when I don't go out of my way to exercise, I'm still doing, you know, a mile and a half walking a day. Right. Because that's how I've set up my life. Well, that's how we've all set up our life in Boston. I mean, you can't live in the city without being basically like an Arctic explorer in the (laughs) winter and an Amazonian explorer in the summer. (laughs) It's really quite intense and kind of a a weird place to live. We do a lot of walking, but we we tend to like it, you know. Can can you? Can you imagine living here 400 years ago? Uh, I can't ma- imagine living almost anywhere 400 years ago. I mean, I think <laughs> about it sometimes, but it's just, yeah, it would be insane. Yeah. But anyway, so we're going on a bit of a drift, Leanna. <laughs> I know. I know. Let's let's bring it back in. Because I'm so sick right now. I'm like, yeah, it was wild. You know, some of my ancestors <laughs> might have been Indians. We'll find out when my 20th week <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, we're bringing it back in. You're okay, telling me back, what you've back, learned back. Okay, about well, yourself. Well, I just made a joke. And so here's where I'm at. So I I just ran into an old friend. In all seriousness, I ran into an old... I intentionally... I had lunch with an old friend this weekend who I hadn't seen in 10 years. And I found myself saying, a lot of things changed when I went through cancer. Like, I realized my true love of comedy. <laughs> it just me like I was insane. <laughs> He didn't even want to like explore that. He just like, okay, next. And then what happened? <laughs> I feel like people don't know what to say to us. No, but listen, I think that's just a weird thing, but I I embrace it. So, so here's what happened. I, I I know the progression and exactly how it happened. Like I, you know, it it sort of started off with like Tig and Taro and like it led to Joe Rogan and then it led to Tony and and it's just been this whole thing. And like, I've gotten obsessed with stand-up comedy as if, I mean, it's so weird. Like I just know I've been reading a lot about the history of comedy. I've become completely obsessed. I guess in a way that I used to be kind of obsessed with like music, you know, reading about musical history and stuff like that. Comedy is it now for me. And I, I think podcasts have a lot to do with that too, but 
I'm obsessed. Well, com- comedy is tragedy plus time, right? Yeah, and I really think there's something about the times that we're into that require a lot of like fighting comedy to fight back some of the negativity that's going on, no matter which, again, no matter which side of the fence you're on, um, metaphorically. Right. You know, it's like weird times, and we need a lot of comedy. And um, and when you go through tough times, I think laughing is really, really important. And it's I realized how foundational it is in my best relationships too. going through this, like the laughter I shared with friends. And I'm just, I don't know, I can't stop writing these, like I'm working on this 10 minute comedy thing and I can't stop doing it. And it's actually, now I'm getting enough material. I mean, that's, I mean, seriously, I'm like, we'll talk when we're on the plane, obviously. Um, <laughs> hey, we'll we'll both develop our ten minutes. I would really I, like that because you know Copa around the corner does do an open mic night. It's after Monday, after when we usually record when we're not sick and cold. Um, oh my god, mm-hmm. we should totally do that. I think we should. I think we should. I mean, I think I, I feel so compelled. Like I feel as compelled to do this as I felt to become a Vikram teacher. You know, it's one of these weird things that you can't quite explain to anyone except weird freaks who are also in it with you. But um, well, you follow follow your compulsions and I do think that yeah. comedy is a great communication tool because it's a way of um, expressing like vulnerability because comedy allows people to like challenge your viewpoints in ways that the seriousness doesn't because if you don't take yourself seriously then you're like inviting people in in a way that other modes of communication don't and that is i mean that's a beautiful thing yeah. I like I'm glad that you've is. discovered your love of comedy yeah, I like through this comedy podcast. Right now. I like where comedy is right now. You know, it's great. And yeah, podcasts have been amazing. And um, yeah, so that was one of the fun things that I learned along mm-hmm. the way. And I now know it's like foundational to my relationship with like my boyfriend too. One time in the beginning of our relationship, he, it was his birthday actually. I'd taken him to Provincetown and he wasn't feeling well and I didn't know what was going on. He'd eaten some bad like corned beef hash like shocker he didn't settle out i love corned beef hash so do i but not in fall in provincetown at bayside betty's okay just never (laughs) throwing shade Mm -hmm. no i'm not throwing shade it was just unfortunate so anyway i was just like cracking my jokes gonna normally do just walking down the street in provincetown holding his hand and suddenly like he just like stopped laughing at my jokes and i was like oh my god Oh my god! Like we were only two months into our relationship, and I was like, "Shoot, I got another weirdo. I got to dump him." And I, and then I realized he was sick, and I was so relieved. <laughs> So if I, if anyone wants to have a chance with you, they have to laugh at your jokes. Oh my god! I, I, I look at chance with yes, for sure. And they have to like my songs too, and that's a whole other story that we won't get into in the podcast. All right, so that's me. Okay. Well, speaking of birthdays, today yes. is my father's seventieth birthday. Major, yay! Yay! And so, all growing up, my mom died when I was fifteen, and. I my dad was like grieving and we were all grieving and I started noticing at 15 like all of the similarities I shared with my dad which I hated I hated all of the similarities that I shared with my father you wanted to be Um, more like your mom yeah because mom was you know the saintly when you die everyone remembers all the saintly things yeah there's no constant reminders of their real humanity and yes yes yeah yeah and so i would get frustrated with certain aspects of myself that were like 
dad. And one of the things that my dad does is he he doesn't take things too seriously. Like he has he has a great sense of humor and he can find humor in any tragedy or he can find like dad is really good at finding the light in the darkness. Yeah. Like he, when he spoke at my mom's funeral, he told a story about two men that go on a hike and at the top of a hill, one of them sees like how far it is to the top of the next hill where they're going and the rocks and all of the streams to cross and the brambles that he has to fight his way through. And the other guy sees the beautiful wildflowers and the butterflies and the sun shining and glinting off the water. And my dad said in that that talk at my mom's funeral that both of those men are right. They're both right. And mom in the last days of her life talked a lot about how she learned about attitude from dad so as i went through this experience on my own like i had come to terms with like i don't want to be like dad i'd come to terms with that like many moons ago many years ago but i am so much more like my dad than i thought i was because my dad is like gregarious and friendly and very aware of how like how can how in control he is of his own emotions mm -hmm. and how the shittiest thing can have great parts. So all of my like messing with my doctors, all of my googly eyes, all of my like having my doctor tell me something very serious and me like asking my plastic surgeon when he asked me if I had any questions about my new implant and I said, how much can I squish it? <laughs> That's a very good question. I'm sorry. That is a blunt and good. It is a good question. Shocking, delivery question. But he was like, good you. One. So he like showed me how much I could squish my. They're just so used to dealing with like 65 year old ladies. Also, like the kind of taking advantage of other people being off their You're weaponizing the awkwardness of the situation. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Dad weaponizes awkwardness in like this really intense way, and he so is you. so amused by it. Well, that is you. Yeah, no. So that is totally so... I completely hear what you're saying, and I agree with you. Did you do the googly eyes um, and the long with tea? I took a picture the other day when I was driving by and I forgot to send it or post it. Did you? Did, no, you did I did. That friend. wasn't me. I am so happy that I have I, a friend. Long, it was the long with tea stop, so I thought, could be. Could be. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I have been avoiding the tea like the plague. Because it has the plague on it. It's like driving petri dishes of plague. It's so bad. <laughs> No, it's it's how you keep your immune system up. That's what one of my coworkers says. No, it's fine. I mean, it's, listen, you just have to get health already. No, I got I got this. I got sick because I got run down. I knew I was going to get run. I knew I had too much on my plate. You know what I mean? It always happens every time it's here. It's a really dark time of year. But speaking of that, oh. I mean, I, so I think that's what we're talking about. One of the reasons I told you before we started talking that I wanted to talk about this tonight is that I did read this article today. It was a study that had been done looking at people who were survivors of cancer who, were, who had no evidence of disease and it turns out we're four times more likely to commit suicide because I think that some oh. of us don't get out of the dark and it is very dark 
And I just want to remind everyone, squint your eyes and try to adjust to the dark because think there might be some victories in there. You know, like think about the good stuff. Like think about some, some foundational stuff that you're learning about yourself. Well, and you are the only one that can find your way out of the dark. No yeah. one can do that for you. Like you have to do you have to do that. You gotta adjust to the dark. I think it has to do with acceptance. Like, okay, I'm in the dark. Are there any victories in here? <laughs> anyway. And I think for me, I had to grope around for a while. Like I literally did. I feel like I was just like, okay, I just and then my eyes adjusted and I was like, okay. I have cancer. I'm treating it. It is really hard. And weaponize, like, weaponize that awkwardness <laughs> for your own amusement. It's amazing. Yeah. We'll call that pulling a tom. I like that pulling a tom. <laughs> that sounds sexual and dirty. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can Please edit that do out. Not you can not like, talk about dirty. I'm pulling a tom. It doesn't sound dirty. Okay. okay, we're gonna call it something. I want, like, I want to embrace it, but I just my we're gonna call it. We're gonna call it tomming around tomming around that's it we're t- just t- just tomming around i'm just tomming around okay just okay around. that's not sexual that's awesome. at all no, right perfect it's, it's a little bit too close to pulling to something else that we need to get into we're not gonna do that <laughs> well listen okay. man, you're one of my you're one of my victories in the dark babe and i'm so excited we're going to seattle next week you're one of my victories in the dark yeah. we we found each other at a very dark time in both of our lives i know i know and, and and i think that like just you know that's one of the reasons we're doing this too just to remind people like hey you might meet a friend in your cancer journey yay <laughs> and cancer friends are like forged in fire yeah it's like you know it's like make new friends keep the old one silver but the other's gold we're like friggin' titanium weaponized friends oh yeah. we're like diamonds yeah we're like diamonds from the pressure <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, thanks, Mimi, for helping me find victories in the dark. All right. Thanks, Mimi. I'm going to have our sweatshirts ready. We got Thanks Cancer sweatshirts. <gasps> and I have my Thanks Cancer outfits oh that God. we can decide Oops. if they're terrible. We do it on social media to see if, like, I say, Leanna, no, you mustn't wear that dress. <laughs> I that is about what you said. <laughs> we'll see. I you know I'm open to it, but I will tell I've told you that I will tell you if I feel that way. So I will. Which I appreciate you being honest. With Honesty me. is another thing I've really gotten in touch with during my cancer journey. <laughs> <laughs> you have no energy for lies. No energy for the lies. No energy for the lies. And you know what? It's a nice counterbalance to some of the other stuff that's going on right now in the world. So honesty. Yeah. All okay. right. Well, thanks, cancer. All right, thanks, cancer. That was our episode. Thanks for listening to Thanks Cancer. If you guys enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would give us a review on iTunes or Google Play. And you can find us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at Thanks Cancer. And please, we'd love to hear from you your stories. Your protocols. Exactly. Advice that you have to share with the community. So send us your audio files at info at thanksCancer.com. Traffic stopped, you lay on the horn and you ask yourself, Where is my cancer unicorn? But we're at the gate with your cancer card, we're your passport date, cause cancer's damn hard. Oh, thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Victories in the dark.